Welcome to the Funny Books and Firewater Podcast. Each week these idiots pair cocktails with comic books. You can find the cocktails, drinking game rules, and playlists on the blog at funnybooksandfirewater.com. While at funnybooksandfirewater.com, you can also find a drinking game rule to play while you listen to each episode. You can follow us at FirewaterCast on Twitter, and FunnyBooks and Firewater on Facebook and Instagram. This is episode 153, The Fade Out, part of the Bro Baker and Phillips Team Up Month. Wow, everybody in the same, well, not in the same room, but everybody in the same recording for the first time. Very close enough. In a time, but here we are, reunited again. It's the Fuck Force 5. The Fuck Force 5, huh? Fuck Force 5. Fuck Force 5. When did that come up? I wish I would have done that. <laughs> we could have made t-shirts. The Fuck Force 5. Well, Fan X is coming yeah. up. That's true. That's very true. And if we can get Mr. My, or Mr. Jason out there, we can, uh, you know, actually get everybody going. So, First of all, the problem is uh, Kate, that's the week I have to go back out for training, so I'm going to be... Damn you, Adam's employer. Damn you. <laughs> for more reasons. Welcome to episode 153 of the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. This is the first podcast we've had everybody on board with since our 150th. So congratulations, guys. We made it 150. Hooray! <laughs> so we have the long-lost Boisean who is in love with the great <laughs> potato state. We have Mr. Adam. Mm, potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> It's Adam. I've been fighting off a cold for like a week and a half, so I have extra salty, smoky voice going on today. Uh, but yeah, I just have over with Big Shiny Robot. Uh, you can also find me uh, sometimes at the Ford is Hell podcast with Andy Wilson. Hi, Hi Andy. Andy. Uh, and then occasionally over at Cinema Queens with Chris. Hey, Hi, Chris. Chris. Which again got derailed because of the whole like, oh, I'm at a hotel with one megabit internet service. Fuck boys. <laughs> so it's um, not just us. No, it was the so we were so I know I haven't heard the episode because it hasn't come out yet. We were trying to record and I was all excited to go, and then it sounded like us. And like like five minutes of like fuck it. So yeah, there's all that. Um, yeah, that's my life. It sucks. So well, uh, we also have uh, hanging out with Bruce. Um, we ha- well, I need a better intro than that because I have to introduce. You first, and then I introduce Todd, right? So that we can have Jason Todd. But I'm trying to figure out how you intro them so that I can say them at the same time. But I'll figure that out later. But we have Mr. Jason. Hi, uh, I'm Jason, unemployed writer in Los Angeles, and in keeping with the tradition of the last few episodes, uh, give you a sneak peek of my previous work experience. Uh, so several years ago, I was the location manager for a feature called Susie's Hope, which was a, a movie about a young woman who survives a pit bull attack and ends up rescuing a pit bull who was abused and left for dead. And together they lead an effort for uh, legal justice and protection for animals. And it's actually based on a true story. Hmm. Yeah. I've right. never heard of that movie. You wouldn't have. Okay. <laughs> there is no reason for you to have heard of that movie. <laughs> Uh, there are a lot of movies made in Hollywood that no one ever hears about, ever. Uh, cool. And then, of course, we have in Utah the world-famous surname of Mr. Jason. We have Mr. Todd. Hi, I'm Todd. I'm sitting next to Mr. Lagavulin himself today because he's smoky and salty. Yeah. So, see that? <laughs> see what I did there? So, hey, Todd <laughs> here in Salt Lake. Uh, my job consists of pointing at things and telling people to do that. 
<laughs> so that, that's true. It really sums it up. And then they're scared of me. Brian had a grand old time. He came yeah. to work with me one time. He's like, uh, everyone's scared of you, Todd. I'm like, yeah, isn't that shit great? <laughs> it's funny. It was really yeah, it's funny. amusing. They all think I'm much more terrifying than I am. And I'm like, I'm good with that. So, um, yeah, I do this pod. I'm a co-panelist on this podcast. And sometimes I do funny, uh, funny books and firewater. I, I still so. do. English class hooligans yeah. as well with Brian there. And my Hi, friend. Brian. Hi. Hi. How are you? Hello. Hey, who cares about you? I know. More importantly, <laughs> your better half. Yes, it's Amy. Hi, Hi Amy. There Hi. we go. Yeah, there I am. Todd's other better half that he doesn't tell his wife about, we have Mr. Maya. <laughs> hey, I'm Blah, blah, blah. Hey, y'all. I'm Maya. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, when you're not listening to me here, you can uh, find me on Twitter at Mr. Maya or Instagram at the Mr. Maya. But more importantly, you should follow my cat because she's so much more interesting than me. At It's the Jonesy on both Twitter and Instagram. Nice. And hey, I'm Brian. I'm a sound designer based out of Southern California, and uh, I do a lot of shit that I can't talk about, unfortunately, because I work for large corporate clients that uh, make me sign non-disclosure agreements. Hurray for non-disclosure agreements! Not Yay! Jason knows anything about those. Do you uh, move sliders? Are sliders still a thing in your world? Sliders? You know, uh, moving levels up and down? We, we call them faders. Faders? What's with this new shenanigans? Fade outs? I mean, there we go. I, I mean, yeah, there we go. There's a tie. <laughs> a tie. So I, I don't know if I've called them sliders ever. That's fair. If not, now, like, I, now yeah. I just want a plate of sliders, like little burgers. I will say the most badass guy I ever saw was at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, and there was this older gentleman just sitting at the bar eating sliders at Ruth's Chris while watching the game. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, if you that went to when I'm that age, life will be good. It sounds like you're a shitty TV yeah. show with Jerry O'Connell. Hey, come on. It oh, was like an right. update of Quantum Leap, but not as good. I still, everyone always remembers Quantum yeah. Leap, the episode where he leaps into the body of the gorilla and he's just walking around the whole time in like a diaper. Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> Really, that's like the one like, everyone, that everyone, everyone might be up at the show. They're like, oh yeah, remember when he was like the gorilla? I'm like, <laughs> I remember. Remember? All I remember is in the end of like the beginning of every episode was him going, oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> that's all who I really was, remember. Who was, the, who was like the computer guy who was like his little uh, like, it was like, like it was like uh, Max or Ralph or something like something. that. It, it, he's just some fucker you wanted to hate on Battlestar Galactica. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm just gonna refer to him as Jiminy because he was like Jiminy for good. All right, <laughs> hold on. Now I have to look this up. This is gonna bother me. <laughs> you know, on uh, NCIS New Orleans, which that actor's on now, the uh, oh boy guy. I wanted to say oh boy on the show. I never watched the show. I just wanted to say oh boy on it and be told he did. Al, Al, that's who was very close to, to Max was. and Ralph. Very close. Yes, they have vowels, consonants. We're almost there. Yeah. It was just sort of like a generic name, you know what I mean? But, yeah, anyway. Well, cool. Uh, so, speaking of Hollywood, I don't know how that segue happened. We had a better one earlier and we destroyed it, so that's fine. Faders. Um, and I, well, Faders. Faders. Well, Faders. We, are, we are recording this episode on the day of the Oscars. That is true. We are actually recording this. It's true. Uh, and some of us are really interested in watching it and some of us do not give a <laughs> shit. Um but uh, so the fade out is a story of a writer in uh, 1948 yes. 
who mm-hmm. who wakes up to find himself potentially part of a murder of a Hollywood starlet. Um, this is a uh, another one of our collections of uh, Brew Baker and Sean Phillips, and this is with colors by Elizabeth Brewster. Bright, who's Brightweiser, or, no, is that Betty true? Brightweiser? Yeah, yes, Brightweiser. Yeah, uh, Elizabeth Brightweiser, uh, who has started working with them quite a bit as well, and she I think adds a great amount to the work here. Uh, I'm double checking on that date because it says right at the very beginning. It's 1948. 1948, so it's right. Okay, yeah. so Los Angeles fall 1948. So, does that seem like a, a fair assen- like a assessment of what this is to begin with? Yes. Okay. Mr. Todd, what is the myification of this book? So, the myification of this book, as I was looking at it, is not the um, subject at all. But as you look in the back of this book, it gives a price tag of nine ninety nine slash different in Canada. <laughs> and that is just fucking awesome. So, the answer to that, the myification of this book is different in Canada. In Canada, because that's just okay. fantastic. Oh, and, and I and I do well. Actually, I'm jumping ahead there. Never mind. But I'll, yeah. I'll wait till we get to final warnings. But different in Canada. You've been warned, Canada. The show is different. <laughs> in Canada, this show is actually in French. <laughs> it's all frogs, and and we're actually very uh, uptight, hoity British person people who are uh, speaking French. That's that's what the show is actually like in French or in uh, Canada. Just in case you're ever wondering. I will say I saw Brightweiser and the old Budweiser commercial with the frogs that go to my brain. Brightweiser. Right. Wiser. Okay. Anyway. Uh, See? It all ties together. It all ties together. Dun, dun, dun. And if we hadn't seemed like we've been drinking enough already, it's time for drinking games. Uh, Mr. Todd, what is your drinking game rule? So my drinking game rule is, what did I call this again? I'm looking at this. Hold on. I liked my rule because it's um my drink is the low life. Every time an individual is just a little too perfunctionary and ready to do something shitty, go ahead and take a drink. Nice. Um, okay, yeah. Mr. Jason. Uh, mine is called For Your Throat's Sake. Anytime a character takes a drag of a cigarette or a cigar, take a drink. And I made that specific because if the rule was just whenever someone has a cigarette, you'd probably be dead. You would die. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a Hemingway novel. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Uh, mine is called The Fog. Every time Charlie, the main character, has a foggy, drunken flashback, take a drink. And Mr. Maya, what is yours? Uh, mine's called The Cover-Up. Uh, anytime a character alludes to or gives orders to cover up a murder or a scandal, take a drink. Awesome. And then, of course, Mr. Adams, who I went last because it was the one that I wanted to use. Oh. I'm sure a lot of us had that exact same thought. So, Mr. Adam, what is your drinking game rule? Mine's called, you're going to be a star, kid. Uh, every single time they mention a real famous person, take a drink. Uh, which I thought about because they do name drop. I almost called mine Bob Hope just because of all the references to Bob Hope. Uh, but there are a few other celebrities in there as well. Uh, cool. Uh, so let's take some votes as to whether or not we believe it is our worth our listeners' hard-earned time, money, and effort to go hunt this book down and give it a read. Uh, this is also volume one of volume three, just so that everybody's got a heads up. So we are not doing the entire story here, or it's available um, in one one giant book. Oh, it's a really, yeah. okay. Yeah, because I mean, this is only the first four episode or four issues that we're doing. So, um, cool. What is your vote, Mr. Todd? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Mr. Adam. Yes. Uh, Mr. Jason. Yes. And Mr. Maya. Yes. 
And I'm a definite yes as well. I also recommended this book, so of course I'm going to be a yes. Anyway, uh, cool. Well, so then, uh, I mean, since we all recommend reading this book, I think we need some music to put on in the background as we read this. I am really proud of my choice, so I'm going to go first. Um, it's the classic song Hooray for Hollywood, but it's the Doris Day version of it, which is kind of sultry and like espionage and kind of works perfectly for this show. Like, if you were to make this into a movie, I guarantee you this song would have to be on the soundtrack because it's kind of the perfect uh it, it, it you really listen to the lyrics of the song and you realize how much ray for hollywood actually makes fun of hollywood uh which i never realized before until i was listening to that song uh and it used to be on the background loop of a place i used to work uh so i've heard the song the classic version many many times but this was the first time i'd really heard what the lyrics really were um mr adam what is your song for the playlist uh mine is celluloid heroes by the kinks Nice, Mr. Jason. Mine is the love theme from Chinatown by Jerry Goldsmith. Nice, uh, Mr. Maya. Uh, so mine is "Ain't That a Kick in the Head" by Dean Martin, with like I always do a bonus song because it's actually Yay! mentioned it, actually mentioned in the book. Uh, the song "Darn That Dream." And Ed Brubaker himself says he recommends the Billie Holiday version over like the big band versions. Okay, mm-hmm. good to know. And uh, Mr. Todd. Mine's The Tinder Trap by Debbie Reynolds. Which, I don't know if it's already a band name or not, but that would be a great band name. <laughs> it is a good band name, isn't it? <laughs> the Tinder Trap would be an awesome band name. If we start a band, that would be like a really great band name. I'm just, It'd I'm also be a good that. company that's like designed to lose money. <laughs> There's that, too. Right? Um, isn't that like uh, Michael Jackson? <laughs> Ooh. Whoa. Dude. <laughs> Well, I gotta try it. <laughs> Ouch! Side sidestepping that. Uh, does anybody have any final warnings as to uh, you know before we let people loose to go give this a read? Yeah. It is for mature yeah. audience. I, yeah. I, I don't have a warning, but uh, our our good friend Ed Brubaker, who wrote this book, does. Uh, I, yeah. I read it in issues, and I found this in the back uh, back matter of the first issue. Uh, it says. I debated whether to say anything about this or not, but since the language in this comic is harsher than in some of our other books, I felt it might be warranted this time. So here it is. The fade-out takes place in a time when racism, anti-Semitism, and sexism were basically accepted behavior. It isn't the main thrust of our story, but if the odd line of dialogue shocks or appalls you, please understand that I'm painting a portrait of a time and place, and not all of it is going to be pretty. Hell, it's a noir, so it better not be, right? Yeah, yeah, and there is a very, very there are also depictions of sexual assault. So yeah, 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 there are indeed. So just so I mean, just to give you a heads up before you uh, encounter that, that's probably unfortunately it's probably a general rule. Well, no, next book doesn't have that. I was like, I don't think it does. Watch me be completely (laughs) utterly wrong. Well, cool. Does anybody else have anything else? Nope. Apparently not. No. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Then we will take a little bit of a break, allow you, our dear listeners, to go uh, read this. So if you want to give it a read, which we all recommend you should, go ahead and give us a pause. Um, also, while we're taking a little bit of a break, there will be a nice little ad from one of our Hello Sweetie podcast partners. I think it's the Geek Parenting Podcast this month. With our, I know our good friend Sarah is on that, and so is Tui. Um, who else is on that show? We know a bunch of people on that show. Hi, Geek Parenting Podcast. Uh, But yeah, so a bunch of our friends are on that show as well. Uh, So yeah, so uh, give that a listen, and uh, we will see you on the flip side. While we take a break, here is a message from one of our fellow Hello Sweetie Network podcasts. 
When you have kids, it's almost impossible to find time to catch up on all your geeky obsessions. Comic books, TV, movies, games. We get it. Geek Parenting Podcast understands your pain and we are here for you. We're geeky parents just like you and we come together once a week to talk about what it's like to raise your little geeklings while staying true to your fandoms. New episodes every week. Find Geek Parenting Podcast wherever you consume your podcasts. Follow us on social media at Geek Parenting Podcast. Sorry, Stefan. Okay, uh, who wants to do the summary? Not it. Not it. Not it. Not it. Mr. Maya! <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the game when I win it. I hate the game when I lose it. <laughs> Hang on. I need... Is it, yeah, I need sure, it. by all means. <laughs> do, do, do. You can tell who's paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> At least you let me get it all the way out this time before, like, I was editing another episode where everybody was like, I, yeah, I interrupted you last time. Honor the rule. You complained about it, like, fine. Yeah, it was, like, fairly hubris. Like, <laughs> you, you have to wait till after I, ah, fuck it, I'll do it. Like, I didn't even get all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so the fade out. Starts with our hero, Charlie, waking up in a bathtub trying to remember the night before. Uh, he's a writer in Hollywood in 1948. Uh, he's remembering the party and in bits and pieces because he is super drunk. Uh, meanwhile, also just painting the picture of Hollywood back then with a bunch of sleeping around and drinking and booze and fights. And then he comes out of the bathroom and discovers that he's in... Uh, what's her name? Valeria Summers' apartment, and she's been murdered. She is an up-and-coming star in Hollywood. Uh, he then decides to just leave, uh, wipes any trace that he was there. He doesn't think he did it, but he, he doesn't know who did. Uh, then he goes to work. He sleeps uh, on his couch at work. He's dreaming, trying to figure, figure things out, figure out what's going on. Uh, we get introduced to a couple of characters. What's her name? Dottie? Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Dottie, yeah. Dottie's the, mm-hmm. the PR girl for the studio. And Phil Brodsky is the chief of security for the studio. Uh, he's an asshole. Uh, he's talking to, to Phil Brodsky about, or Brodsky's letting them know how they found Valeria's body. And it looks like she committed suicide, which wasn't the case when, when Charlie woke up. So he knows that the studio is trying to cover something up. Uh, he tells his... His partner, his writing partner, Gil, who has been blacklisted um, because of the uh, the red scare, and so so Gil is actually the real writer, and uh, Charlie is basically the front. So uh, Gil writes all the stuff because he's been blacklisted; he's a dirty he front. can't actually take credit for it. And therefore, Charlie, they have a deal where Charlie publishes it under his name, and they sort of split the money. And then Charlie tells Gil uh, what happened. Uh, issue two starts off with them at Valeria's. Funeral. Um, da, da, one of the other actors is pissed that they buried her under her stage name and not her real name. Uh, Gil shows up at the funeral. Charlie gets pissed because he doesn't want them to be seen together since he's been blacklisted. Uh, Charlie goes back to work. Uh, we just have more. Uh, they're they're trying to f- figure out how to shoot or reshoot around the area, not being there. Uh, is this the issue where we get her replacement? Probably not. And that's kind of it for issue two. It's just a lot of a lot of character stuff. Issue three, we start off with learning about the mm-hmm. the head of the studio and the wild sex parties that he went to in the twenties uh, with some cult or society or something, uh, and kind of get the how the studio started with him and the head of security. Uh, we get introduced to Maya 
Silver, who is Valeria's replacement, and her her trash bag agent who tries to get with her and get shot down. Oh, apparently, oh, so Maya's agent goes to talk to Brodsky and says that uh, some guy is back. He's been throwing rocks through his window and following him around. Maya had a great day on set because she likes being around, what's his name, Earl? Earl. Earl Rath, mm-hmm. uh, who is a very likable, charismatic actor. Uh, she had a great day on set. She goes back to the room, starts to change, uh, and you find out that the studio head has a secret tunnel that goes to all the dressing rooms and he just pops out of her closet, which I thought was really creepy. Uh, And she's like, oh, okay, fine, whatever, and takes her clothes off and he's like, no, why would you do that to yourself? You look like a child. Uh, And then leaves. Uh, She goes home. Her husband, uh, or her ex-husband is there. And and we find out he was the guy that Brodsky and her agent had paid off to leave and be out of the picture. And Brodsky shows up and beats the shit out of him and they take him away and she doesn't feel bad. Uh, And then issue four starts off with Charlie and Earl hanging out together. Charlie likes being in like Earl's little sphere of, of popularity. He starts to, he has another little flashback where he's kind of piecing stuff together and uh, recognizes a guy... What are they at? Like a the photographer, the stars. Yeah, I didn't quite understand what they were before, but he's he's selling them pictures of naked girls, and uh, Charlie notices a picture uh, with Ronald Reagan and some other guy, and the guy looks familiar, and uh, we get a sense that he might have been there the night that Valeria was killed. So they set up a basically a PR date for the new actress with Tyler Graves, who had just who had just broken up with Ava Gardner. And uh, it's all a PR stunt, and Charlie's supposed to be there on a date that he, he I don't think he thought was a real date, but uh, Dottie might have thought it was a real date, as we find out later. And they're there, drinking, hanging out. Clark Gable's there. Uh, we find out that, was it Charlie and Clark Gable were in the war together? Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, he goes outside, he's sitting by himself, Maya comes out and is like, oh, let's go dance, You and they go back in and dance. Dottie's upset, crying her eyes out. Typical woman. <laughs> uh, then Charlie starts trying to piece together, uh, I didn't quite understand whose house was it was burning, who was Stevie? That uh, was the photographer. That was the photographer. That's yeah. Dirty yeah. yeah, that's right. There's a fire at Stevie's house. Stevie is burned up inside. Uh, he sees a car there with the guy that he had recognized earlier in it, and then he goes to run over and meet him, and by the time he gets through the crowd, uh, the car is gone. End of act one. End of act one, yes. So it leaves a big, uh, basically, question mark as... Who's this fucker? Yeah, who is this, and what does he have to do with all this stuff? So, um, I don't know. Who wants to start talking about this? Well, I have a lot of fun with it, because, you know, this has kind of been, this month, even though I haven't been on too much, I've been reading the books. Um, yeah. You know, I haven't read much Ed Brubaker, but I love, I mean, his writing style is amazing, and I love the fact that this is just steeped in the old-timey Hollywood yeah. making movies, and, like, I love that kind of thing, like, you know, movies like The Artist and stuff like that that just deal with that kind of subject. It's something I'm absolutely in love with. So, going through this, I had no idea what it was about. I really jumped in blind. Uh, and it was fun to be like, oh yeah, this is like, you know, the blacklisting and, you know, all the nefarious dealings they were doing to kind of get their stuff put out there and, you know, how you got at the casting couch for all like the women and this and that, blah, blah, blah. It was a very sexist, racist, horrible time, uh, but still really intriguing. So it was really fun to jump in, 
still this. And then the way also they, hence my drinking game rule, was tying in real people. So it was, yeah, sure, we have all these fake characters in the story, but we're going to uh-huh. throw around Clark Gable and Bob Hope and everyone else. And so it was it was really cool. I liked it a lot. I can't wait to read. Yeah. How many? Are it's there 12 no issues. Three, three books, 12 issues. Yeah, this is definitely one I'm going to put on my list to... Uh, to finish the rest of the and this one's free on Comicsology right now. We're so. all free on there. I can look right now while you tell us what you thought about it, Maya. Uh, so yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I, I started, you know, my first Ed Brubaker um, was Winter Soldier when he was writing Captain America. Uh, but then shortly after that, he started a little book called Criminal. And I was like, this guy is amazing. He was like my favorite writer for a long time back in the mid-2000s. I'm like, I'm going to get this. And then it just kind of went from his creator owned projects. And finally we get to the fade out and it's, he still doesn't disappoint. Uh, his, his most recent one we'll be doing later. And I will say that he still doesn't disappoint. Um, but yeah, this, uh, I, I'm also a fan of, of this kind of, this kind of era of Hollywood, uh, even though a lot of shit things happened, um, just the kind of like feel of it, uh, I've always liked. And I was thinking about it and, yeah, there isn't a lot of like funny stuff to this, but I, I was thinking of a movie that I want to see, or who I would want to see like make this movie, and uh, I always kept coming back to um, Shane Black. I think would kill it. Oh this yeah, movie. That's, that's uh, definitely yeah. What movie am I thinking of? Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. Thank you, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. But yeah, if, if, if this were made into a movie, I think Shane Black could be amazing making yeah. this movie but uh i want to finish rereading it i rereading this trade uh and knowing there's only eight issues left i uh makes me want to reread it and and i do also suggest if you can track down the issues because a lot of the the articles and stuff in this are uh and that are in the single issues are amazing as always also um oh yeah all, all three trades are on unlimited strangely enough though the individual issues are not <laughs> <laughs> thank you amazon Hey, Mr. Todd, what are your thoughts? No, I was reading this. Guess Guess Bang Bang also came into my mind, but also did um, Hail Caesar by the Cohen Yeah, yeah same. So with Hail Caesar, it's very similar subject matter, but that one's a bit more uh, tongue-in-cheek yeah. about the whole thing. As, or, yeah, not quite tongue-in-butt, but it is tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> Except for that one sequence, right? Well, it's got a brilliant scene with our with Han Solo and Ray Fiennes. It does. Um, with all of that here, so... It um, definitely establishes the era. So we've got the, uh, the setting is so um, well put together and it's well done. And it's um, and a little bit of LA Confidential is a bit going mm-hmm. on with this too. So with those three things and it's all mixed together, it's got the seriousness and you've got um, Charlie, this main character, who just kind of moves on from one shitty thing to the next shitty thing. But his life is the shitty thing as being this beard for this blacklisted writer and he himself he he gets away with stuff because he, he he's got the right kind of last name and so everything else is he's already um compromised himself in so many ways before anything here begins and it's just one more thing and it doesn't matter as he's watching this and yes he's got concerns and you've got all these deplorable characters but they're just they're wanting the fame they're saying this is how the game's played You've got the one wife going, oh, I watched my husband get the shit beat out of him and I really enjoyed it. Makes me a bad person, but I'm going to sleep like rocks tonight. It's great. And so as you're watching this, it's it's, um, somewhat despicable people all behaving despicably. And it's fascinating. Are there really any likable characters in this? I feel bad for the wife. 
As, I was gonna say, oh yeah, okay. I was gonna say, but as far as the I, actual I characters like, go, not like you know Clark Gable I, yeah, or Bob Hope or any right. of them. Right. I was, I was gonna say Bob Hope. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I definitely feel for for Charlie because he's um, what I like about uh, a lot of a lot of the main characters is that they are sort of playing as foils to one another. So there's the uh, blacklisted writer yeah, who is yeah. still writing, that's Gil, and then there is the professional writer who is unable to write, and that's due to his PTSD from being in the war. Um, and I, I, I appreciate that um, mm-hmm. sort of two sides of the same person identity. And you've got that uh, with the actresses as well, um, with uh, uh, Valeria and Maya. Uh, and uh, I think Charlie says of Valeria at one point that she seems, or she is mm-hmm. sweeter than she seems. And then as we get to know Maya, she is not as sweet as she seems. And it's just, it's a very, uh, very nice switch on the two. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Also, as I was reading this, I, I oh. thought of you a lot, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is like my Thursday night. Yeah. If, if Jason um, would have been in 1948. <laughs> what I also liked about Trump is like, oh, you've got a relationship with Clark Gable, the biggest star around. And he's like, yeah, I guess I forgot to mention that is he really does want to stand up on his own two feet mm-hmm. as it's coming forth. And he's not doing and he's not trying in a lot of ways. It seems to be, hey, I know Clark, therefore I'm awesome. And he's struggling through all of that. So he, he definitely has his own demons he's fighting. And then it ends on this expansion of this mystery of what's going on. So. Yeah, well, I think I think him um, saying uh, he sort of forgets about that is that he yeah. would actually rather forget about it because he doesn't right. like thinking about the war and what he went through um, and, and why he uh, feels sort of inept professionally right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it, uh, in reading mm-hmm. a little bit about the fade out after I finished this volume turns out there were uh, a few interested parties in Hollywood who wanted to adapt it even before Brubaker had finished writing it. And just from this first volume, you can definitely see why, because it's, it's a very mm-hmm. classic introduction right. um, in a sort of a uh, hero's journey sense. And that you, you introduce the, the character and what his world is, but then you immediately shake it up and turn it upside down. And he actually does try to at first, um, not sort of answer the call for his journey and he he tries to wipe all of his prints away and just walk away from from Valeria's death and then he is um somehow still brought into it because he sees that uh someone is is trying to make it look like a suicide and cover something up um and it's just it's a really really solid introduction where even if you don't um like Charlie all that much although I I certainly do and I feel for him um you're definitely along for the ride because you can see that he almost has no other choice but to get further involved. Obviously, I haven't seen trailer for a fade out movie yet. Do we know right. whatever happened to that? Uh, nothing that I could find. I will say, it, I, I also, I mean, I like the character of, of Charlie and Gill and the actresses. Yeah. Um, some of the supporting characters are a little one dimensional, at least at first. Uh, and while that is sort of true, they are spot on uh, archetypes that fit the story and the setting to a T uh, the, I mean, the demanding German director uh, the <laughs> fixer with a very clear, either military or um, police past and the sleazy agents, they all fit that, that tone and that theme uh, just perfectly. Um, and then there, there are a few other supporting characters who actually do seem like they've got a little bit more to them already, uh, whether it's Dottie, the PR girl, um, there's definitely something more there beyond just her liking Charlie. Uh, and then, uh, my, you, um, mentioned it a little bit in, in the overview. 
but the uh, studio had Victor Thursby and how he was embroiled in some oh, weird really? uh, Hollywood cult, which I looked up is actually a real thing. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's called the uh, what's it called? The Blackburn Cult or the Divine Order of the Royal Arms of the Great Eleven, uh, and it was a cult in the twenties that um, had a lot of allegations of not allegations, but uh, there were a lot of animal sacrifices and um, uh, sex scandals, and there was even a case where they found a, a dead 16-year-old girl's body underneath one of their houses, and they were apparently trying to resurrect her. Um, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, a lot of really weird, creepy stuff. Uh, but the fact that, that this character in this story is is uh, a former member of that and thinks uh, longingly back on those days is a really, really nice touch. Yeah, and kind of messed up, but yeah. Um, I just in general like this book. I think revisiting it, um, I it's very readable. Like I, I find uh, the Ed Brubaker is is both. Uh, he has a nice flow to his writing, and it really sort of sucks you in. Um, mm-hmm. I kept, I had like the intention of like I had other stuff to do, so I was like, okay, I'll read this issue. I'll go do some stuff. I'll come back and finish it. And then I ended up sitting down and reading the entire thing in one shot because I just kept going. Oh, I'll just keep reading it. You know, what I mean, I'll read one more issue. I'll be read one more issue. I'll read one more issue. So like, it sort of really <laughs> pulls you along and drags you into this web that he's weaving, and I really, really enjoy it. Um, I think I, I feel bad for. Uh, it's not Charlie. Who's the drunk guy? Gil. Yeah. Gil. Gil's wife. But I also yeah. think that I, I know because I know more about her character gets developed further in the end, uh, a little bit later in the book. That uh, I think that's probably part of the reason why, because she's barely in it at this point in time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, I mean, it's just it's a fun. I mean, for a dark messed up book, like it's yeah. um, it's a it's a good read that really drives you through. I really really love. Uh, the art in this book. I mean, Sean Phillips, I think, just does amazing work. And I think that it, like, everything just feels really period. Um, and the coloring, I think, is great. Like, there's a lot of really good things about this book. And I remember the first time I read it, I was like, oh, dude, Brubaker doing old Hollywood, like, I'm 100% in. And it didn't disappoint what I was expecting out of it. So, yeah, th- that's my general thoughts, I guess. Um, but anybody else have anything else, or we'll go into cocktails? Well, you, you touched on the art, and, and uh, I mean, similar to the other Brubaker and Phillips stories we've read. Uh, it has a really good use of the stark contrast uh, that evoke that noir feeling and also the bright yeah. colors that uh, don't sacrifice that noir tone, but still show a very vibrant world that uh, exists uh, in the frames. So I think it's, it's, yeah. it's really, really well done. I, I also like kind of in a very cinematic way, the, uh, as I called them, the, the fog flashbacks yes. of like, yes. it, like it looks literally like an old like camera with Vaseline on the lens. You know yeah. what I mean? Is sort of what it, it looks like. Like it looks like it's something they would have done at the time frame to try to, to evoke that. You know, at at the time. Yep. Um, the question, I guess, becomes: If you were to make this into a movie, do you make it in color? Or do you make it in black and white? I would do color with Hell Caesar doing it as well. It's a noir at the flip side. That's right. I think yeah. what I would do is I do it in color, but I uh, set up to be very washed out. Are you saying Zack Snyder okay. should be the colorist? No. <laughs> no, because like, you, you think of like, you know, the first thing that popped in my mind was like Sin City. But at the same time, I, yeah. I think oh, yeah. it would be better off with not just black and white, but splashes of color. But if it was just a very dingy kind of muted colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was thinking Sin City uh, as well, but 
more splashes of color. So you'd still have a lot of black and white and then a few uh, pops of color here and there uh, as opposed to just like Schindler's um, List once in a while. Well, it's got to be Yeah. Or you just take it and throw a bunch of cartoons in and make Who Framed Roger Rabbit too. <laughs> Because, yeah, because I'm thinking about, like, movies of the era, talking about, like, um, you've got your Hail Caesar and some of these others, and they are so, um, that is just so colorful as they, like, really embrace the uh, golden, you say golden age, there is a very much a golden hue wash over that Hail Caesar movie, and it brings a uh, whimsy to it that this one lacks. There is not, this is not a whimsy book by any means. No. no. There is no whimsy. There's no whimsy in Ed's vocabulary. Ed, Ed Brubaker is never going to write a book that Sean uh, that Scotty Young can illustrate. Like I don't it's think that's not, ever going to happen. Probably not. I think how fun it would be though if, we, if this was done with like, Scotty Young illustrations. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> you're not familiar, Scotty Young does really cartoony illustrations. He's currently writing but not illustrating Deadpool. Uh, so for those of you who are not in the know on Scotty Young. Uh, cool. There's a lot of really cool stuff with uh, people's eyes in this to where like you can almost see them like sparkle on the page, yeah. like when it's too yeah. dark. Yeah. Or like it's literally done with like making because you. Know, I mean, most time you look at comics and like, people's eyes aren't exactly lifeless or anything, but yeah. this one they just seem kind of pop off the page more than more than they do in other books I've read. Yeah. Okay. I also appreciate that uh, at the very beginning um, you've got the cast of characters because it can be it can yes. be a little bit confusing mm-hmm. to figure out um, who is in what scene. Mm-hmm. No, that's true, and and that's definitely very helpful. Um, I like to call that the Walking Dead effect because a lot <laughs> oh, of people yeah. are very similar in that book. Yeah. That book, I'm always reading about three or four pages before I realize who's exactly talking. Um, I'd be like, "Oh yeah, it's, it's a storyline. Oh yeah, it's, it's a storyline." If it's not Rick, Michonne, Carl, or Negan, yeah, it's anyone else is hard to tell. Well, because they all die and then they come back, and then like you can just you can never really quite tell on any of that. So, yeah. Well, cool. Let's do this then. Let's jump into cocktails. Um, I know that mine is similar in name to Jason's, but they're different. So, Jason, why don't you go ahead and go first? Mine is the Black Dahlia. Um, And actually researching this, I found... Oh, wait. Sorry. I'm not similar to you. I'm similar to somebody else. Ignore me. You want to oh, continue on? Right. So uh, I found out that the Gallery Bar in downtown Los Angeles is actually uh, apparently the last place that actress Elizabeth Short was at. Um, uh, she was also seen at the Hotel um, Cecil, which is the basis for the American Horror Story season um, hotel. And uh, also it's the same uh, hotel that Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, stayed at when he was doing some oh, of those killings. It's a very weird messed up hotel. Yeah. They've changed the name of it, actually. Uh, so anyway, um, <laughs> but the gallery bar. Sorry, that's wait, fine. That's fine. Weird. Um, yeah. yeah. So the gallery bar has kept this drink on their menu uh, for the seventy some years um, since she died, and it is mm-hmm. uh, three and a half ounces of citrus vodka, uh, three quarter ounces of I don't know how to pronounce it, Chambord. Raspberry liqueur and then three quarter ounces of Kahlua. Shake the ingredients in a shaker with ice, strain into a chilled cocktail glass, and then garnish with an orange zest. Okay. It is. Okay. Uh, Todd, what is your cocktail? My cocktail is the Greta Garbo. And it's um, when it has a 16 milliliters of a light rum, you put in a splash of maraschino liqueur, a splash of lime juice, a splash of sambuca, or any kind of anise-based liqueur you're looking for. 
a pinch of sugar. You dump all that into a cocktail shaker, fill it with ice, shake the shit out of it, and you um, strain that into a cocktail glass. So, yeah, it's uh, got quite the zing and punch to it, much like Greta Garbo. <laughs> nice. Uh, Mr. Adam, what is your cocktail? Uh, so mine is called the Ruby Starlet. Uh, we do is you take uh, the zest of a grapefruit, uh, you mix it into a quarter cup of sugar. You're going to grab a uh, chilled martini glass, take a grapefruit wedge, rim the edge of it, and dip it into that sugar and grapefruit mixture. Uh, then a shaker filled with ice, you're going to add three ounces of vodka, two ounces of fresh squeezed grapefruit juice, one teaspoon of powdered sugar. Uh, you shake the shit out of it, and then you strain into that martini glass and garnish with a grapefruit peel. Awesome. Yes. Now mine is similar in name to Adam's, but is a different cocktail now that I got that right. Uh, mine is called Starlet. Uh, it is also, which I, when I was looking up Starlet cocktails, there's a, uh, there's a lipstick color called uh, Starlet cocktail, just in case you're ever wondering. I was wondering about that. Thank um, you. Yeah. I, I know. I know it's your favorite. Thank you, yes. Um, it is one ounce of orange-infused vodka, one ounce of absinthe. Uh, they recommend Matahari absinthe. Uh, one ounce of Hiram Walker black raspberry liqueur, and one ounce of champagne. You combine the vodka, absinthe, and black raspberry liqueur into a cocktail shaker, shake the shit out of it over ice, strain into a cocktail glass, and top with champagne, and garnish with a raspberry. Uh, Mr. Maya, what is your cocktail? Uh, so my drink is called the Starfucker. <laughs> Uh, it's two ounces of watermelon pucker schnapps, uh, one ounce of crown Royal, uh, six ounces or half of a 12 ounce can of red bull. Uh, and the recipe does make two servings for two. Uh, basically just add the red bull crown and the pucker to a shaker, uh, with ice, shake it, and then straight into a double shot glass. My God, that sounds awful. (laughs) 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 I'm like, you know, like no, no, no. and Canadian whiskey and, <laughs> and Red Bull. And Red Bull. It's like you, you go to the ice cream thing and it's like we have Play-Doh ice cream and you're going, <laughs> oh, yeah, I want some Play-Doh ice cream. That sounds like a good idea. And you know, I would totally get Play-Doh ice cream. For the three people that order it, they would love the fuck out of it. But for me, it's just, oh, it's, it's so saccharine and, oh, <laughs> oh. Oh. I'm glad you, good for you, but, oh. So, something interesting about the book idea, I'm on the Wikipedia page. Ed Brubaker's uncle, John Paxton, was a screenwriter in Hollywood back in the 30s and 40s. And he wrote, oh, wow. he wrote uh, like, Murder My Sweet, Crossfire, The Wild One, and On the Beach. So, oh, wow. he has inspiration for this because his uncle would tell him stories of what Hollywood was like back when he was working. Well, I was going to say, I have Crossfire on DVD. And I'm, I'm on the same page there, and it says his uh, his wife, which I guess would be his aunt, uh, worked PR for 20th Century Fox Aww. at the same time, and also told him stories. That's Dottie. <laughs> wow. That is, yeah, that's... It's Dottie. I now really want to spend Thanksgiving with yeah. Ed Brubaker's family. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> that, that sounds fascinating. Wow. wow. Okay. Well, cool. Uh, does anybody else have any final things, uh, parting thoughts before we go into final grades? You know, it's in some ways it's with Ed Brubaker. We, the previous books we've looked at is um, we very much had, sorry, this is the third Brubaker Baker book. Mm-hmm. And yet um, tonally they've been similar, but yet there's quite their own things. It doesn't feel like I'm rereading song 
or uh, Song of the Innocent or Last of the Innocent yeah. again yeah. with just a different name yep. and nouns change. And it's the same artist and writer, and yet they are um, as similar as they are to each other. It's very much taking on a new tone and a new dress and a new outfit as it's going through each one. And it continues to be continues to be thoroughly enjoying, and I'm become engrossed in it, but they are still unique unto themselves. And it's very much the Phillips Brubaker brand, but I'm not confusing one for the other. Well, yes, because Brubaker is talented about <laughs> Grant Morrison. <laughs> wow. Okay, Lagavulin. Fight, 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 fight. I'm agreeing with you. I like it, Brubaker. <laughs> so. Fantastic. Then let's jump into final grades. Our first grade for self-contained. Uh, this is volume one of three in theory. Uh, but uh, what is your grade for self-contained, Mr. Jason? F. <laughs> if I, uh, yeah, I had finished reading this an hour before we had to record, I would have continued reading. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally feel you on that. Uh, Mr. Maya. F. <laughs> I love, this is the best F you could possibly get. It's like this yeah, F, yeah. no, we want to keep reading. Okay. So, so, so the recommendation would be just skip volume one and get the deluxe edition, which I think is like 29 bucks um, okay. on Amazon. So I have, I have some pretty good F, so. <laughs> well, good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Right. Todd. You know, it, it's an F. That I, and, and also, in their defense, it, it, the title of the trade is Act One. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it's very much saying, yeah, this is just part of it. But yeah, it's like, we know what we're doing. This isn't the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, but also it implies with saying act one, that there is a final act yep. or like it's a three act structure. So it's not a forever and ongoing, which I also appreciate. So what's interesting then by the typical three act standard, that means that the next trade has got to be the fucked up one. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of true. Actually. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, okay, uh, Mr. Adam, what is your grade for uh, self-contained? Well, I'm glad everyone else said F because I was going to go with that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I like the book, I mean, yeah, it's it's it only is the the setup. So, but again, getting into it, you open the book; it's like Act One. So they're not pretending to be something that it's not, and that's kind of the problem I've had with other books where the first one didn't really go anywhere, or it was like the beginning of like maybe like a 30, 40 issue run. Um, whereas this is kind of more of like a limited series, so you know that you, you can finish it all within 12 issues. And like I said, it's all free on Comixology or, you know, 30 bucks for the full trade. But yeah, you, you know going in what it's going to be, so you're not too surprised when you get to the final page and you're like, oh, I guess we'll be the next one because this doesn't answer any questions. <laughs> yeah. Well, then I'm just going to jump on the bandwagon and say an F as well. Uh, cool. Peer for pressure. You know it. Oh, real uh, quick, before we get to that, let me jump in. Uh, I'm still on the wiki for this, and I yeah. guess in the letters page of Killer Be Killed, uh, issue 12, which is a book that we're going to be doing shortly, uh, Brubaker... Next book is it the next one? I wasn't sure if it was the next one or not. Uh, Brubaker mentioned that he does have plans for a semi-sequel to The Fade Out. Uh, they, would share, they would share the setting and some of the supporting characters, but the plot would be completely unrelated. Yeah, because I mean, you could have the same fixer and same PR people, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, doing another th- thing in the in the story. And, like, you could have, like, the, you know, that writer, you know, happen to be passing by and saying hi to, you know, somebody or whatever. Like, I could see that totally working. You could actually build a whole world around this old 
what fake Hollywood studio would actually be pretty cool. So yeah, well, cool. Speaking of Mr. Ed Brubaker for writing, what is your grade, Mr. Jason? Um, mine is an A minus. Minus only because I think the part where Maya uh, got tripped up in doing the uh, overview, uh, there's a part near the end of the fourth issue that gets a little confusing and hard to tell uh, what the characters are talking about, who they are in the scene. And yeah, but other than that, I think it's great. Cool. Uh, Mr. Adam. Uh, I'm A minus as well. I mean, this is really well written. It's interesting. The characters, as many as there are, they're still fleshed out. They're all unique personalities. And it completely and perfectly encapsulates calculates the the feeling of old Hollywood. And while, you know, we mentioned Tale of Caesar, kind of the sunnier version of it, this shows that, you know, the, the seedy underbelly of kind of what we always kind of knew was going on in Hollywood, but this just kind of breaks out and shows that, yeah, this is what it was really like if you were, especially if you were a female trying to get going and how you had to be underhanded and, you know, do things that, you know, anything to get ahead. And in, in some ways, it's, yeah. it's still that way now, but it's... Yeah. It seems like it was more rampant back then. I mean, now we just have, like, Harvey Weinstein fuckers like him, so. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, Mr. Todd, what is your grade for writing? You know, I'm going to give this a B plus, A minus. It was um, thoroughly engrossing. I loved it a lot. The um, One of the stated goals that Ed Brubaker had said earlier when he started doing this sort of thing is he was so burnt out on um, capes and tights. And, um, oh, like chafe. Right, I bet it does change. Well, because he had gone from doing Batman for a few years sure. to doing Captain America for means. many years. But what this helps helps to showcase in such a way is as comics as a medium and not the message. And a lot of people say, mm-hmm. "Oh, I'm reading comics," and they're thinking, "Oh, you're reading about Wolverine and Superman." And it's though that's the most popular at this time, and one can argue the same for the film industry that capes and tights are the most popular at this time. It's so it can be so much more than that, and this shows that really well. So, thank you, Ed. Well, and then to kind of add on to the popularity of, of the Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips books, uh, in the letters or in that kind of the because he always does kind of his own little monthly musings in the back of the single issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had said in issue two of the fade out that issue one was there most ordered number one issue ever mm-hmm. and issue two's orders were up 30 percent from that nice. like they're mm-hmm. pre-orders so right which means a lot of people read it and said holy shit you need to read yeah, this that's right cool um mr Maya, while you're saying that what is your writing uh, i'm at an a minus i there isn't i mean i think this is one of those where we all kind of have the same uh it kind of hit us all the same way yeah and i'll st- sit there with an a minus with everybody else uh, I actually no, you know what? I'm gonna go with the full A. I really liked it. Um, I understand the issues with some of the confusion, but I still I can look past it. I really like that. Um, so for art for Sean Phillips and Elizabeth Brightweiser, Brightweiser, Brightweiser. That's a bad thing to connect it with, but okay. Uh, Brightweiser. Um, what is your grade, Mr. Maya? Uh-huh. I'm at an A. Uh, Sean Phillips hardly ever disappoints me. And uh, I think as much as I like how his style fits the other books, uh, like Criminal, uh, I think it especially fits uh, this setting. And uh, I enjoyed it, especially uh, when we get the actual like blackout scenes where 
the style the style oh, yeah. changes even though it's the same artist and looks like a different artist it's still him and and elizabeth brightweiser uh just changing their game <laughs> yeah for sure uh mr adam uh, i'm gonna go with me as well i mean this like i mentioned before like it, just the way that the eyes is really cool uh the coloring is fantastic and it really has that dark gritty feel of what you would expect 1940s hollywood to be like and it's it's gorgeous i love it so everything my said as well okay uh mr todd um, I love it. The coloring here, I really think they changed up from the previous one, but this new color is with Brightweiser. And the way she was able to um, fold in between flashbacks, between talking, describing movies, and thinking with thoughts, and how some of that coloring in the back is absent entirely, or you've got that Vaseline gauzy smear going on. I mean, that's really where the colorist comes in, is just singing. And it's um, so well done. And it, it's just something that, you know, anyone else who wants to be a colorist should study this because it's fantastic. It's an A. Fantastic. Um, I'm also going to sit there with an A just because of peer pressure. I'm all, I'm all about peer pressure. <laughs> yes! Uh, Mr. Jason, what is your grade? Uh, not to beat a dead horse, but it is also an A. Uh, <laughs> really, really beautiful representation of the Hollywood glitz with those bright colors uh, that uh, unfortunately hide the dark underbelly that is real Hollywood. Fantastic. Uh, okay, so for overall grades uh, for the entire book, what is your grade, Mr. Adam? F. I <laughs> know, oh, yeah. uh, A minus. I mean, this is a lot of fun. I love the fact that it's, it's a limited series, and so you can pick up and get the rest of it for cheap, if not free. Um, it, it's a quick read, too. I mean, it, it brings you in, and um, so the other night I was, I was asking, like, hey, what's the book? Because I wanted to pick it up, and so I just went and downloaded it, and I looked up half an hour later, and I was like, oh, shit, I'm done. Like, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting, it's fun, it's dark, it's gritty, um, it mixes in elements of, like, film noir, well, not quite, you know, fully under that label, and if you're a lover of like old Hollywood and just movie industry in general, it's uh, it's it's a dirty little love letter to that time period. So cool, uh, Mr. Maya. What is your grade? Uh, I'm at an A. Uh, there, <laughs> there isn't much I can say that hasn't already been said. I this may uh, there there are parts of Criminal that that I enjoy more, but. Not not just Last of the Innocent, but just Criminal in general. But I think other criminal aside, this may be my favorite Brubaker Sean Phillips book. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Mr. Jason, uh, an easy A starring Emma Stone. <laughs> oh, nice. Up for an Oscar tonight. Easy A. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, Emma Stone. <laughs> Emma Stone and her titties. Oh yeah. Uh, Was it the favorite? The favorite. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, uh, Mr. Todd. This is also the Fonz, so it's an A. <laughs> so, no, I really enjoyed this book. It's a whole lot of fun, and I recommend it all the time. So, yeah. Cool. And I'm also at an A. I really love this book. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it actually, not to argue with you, Mr. Maya, but I think it actually is probably my favorite Sean Phillips Brubaker book. Um, but they keep coming out with great stuff all the time, so it's not like they've peaked. I need um, I need to finish Killer Be Killed because that one's also I, way up there. I'm up about I'm about halfway through the whole story, so that could I change. Killer Be Killed, and I'm still very happy with it. But like rereading this book reminds me how much I really love this book. Like I remember the first time I read this book, and I was like, "Oh, holy shit, this is amazing!" And then I was so excited for every trade to come out so I could read it. So 
Um, I really dug it. So that puts us at an overall GPA of 3.94. So that is just under an A. Yeah. (laughs) It's a terrible, terrible book that you should never, ever, ever read. Um, Next week. Ever, ever. Ever, ever, ever. But Uh, before you go into next week, I do also want to point out that – uh, this book won two Eisner Awards, which are the comics equivalents of the Oscars or, uh, you know, awards like that. Uh, in 2015, it won Best New Series, and in 2016, it won Best Limited Series. So uh, we're not the only ones that liked it. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of other people who hated this book, clearly. Yeah. And uh, uh, speaking of the Oscars, so that is tonight, we're, you know, two hours when we record this, uh, Black Panther is up, and everyone's saying it's probably not going to win. Uh, it's in the top three contender right now. Because wow, uh, so the 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 one that probably pretty sure is going to win is Roma. Uh, Green Street's up there, and then uh, Black Panther because Black Panther took home the SAG, the Screen Actors Guild Award for Best Ensemble, which is their version of Best Picture. Uh, yeah. Actors are the largest voting block in the Academy. Yeah. So as much as I don't, I still don't think it's going to win. I think it's going to go to um, hopefully Roma because Green Book was a piece of shit. Uh, it'll be interesting because if if that wins, that's going to be a huge, a huge. Um, thing for Marvel or for Geeks in general. I mean, of course, it'll piss off the Geeks in their parents' faces because it has black people in it, but aside from that. <laughs> um, also, if it doesn't, if, if it wins one thing, it needs to win costume. It'll win costume. Costume is going to be okay. for it, but uh, I'm, again, I'm, I'd be very, very happy to win Best Picture because it, it was up there on my top five last year. It's just, oh. it's no Spider-Verse, but... <laughs> Spider-Verse is I gotta also, say. Also, Spider-Verse doesn't win animated film yeah, that'll also be a disappointment. We're gonna burn the town like, down. Like as much as I liked Incredibles too, if they give it to that just because it's Pixar. Uh. Well, what was really funny was our, I think our, a, lot of good, a lot of goodwill. I don't think it's gonna get everything that it used to get. You know what I mean? There's a lot of competition now. Incredibles two was good, but it wasn't. It wasn't Spider Verse. It wasn't Spider Verse. But uh, speaking of Spider Verse, uh, Caleb Booth was at uh, some kind of our friend, film critic. She's the editor in chief for Bleeding Cool. She was at, um, I think it was a con or something like that, and there was like a question and answer with the people who did Spider Verse. And then she's walking out, and she's like, "Oh, hey, thanks for giving us best picture because <laughs> yeah, film critics we gave it picture of the year." Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then our friend Jimmy was on a jacket and interviewed the guys who worked on it. And they thanked him. So, so little Utah is getting a little bit of notice. So. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, jumping back in, next week we are going to be doing Kill or Be Killed. That'll be our final book in our Brubaker Phillips um, month. And uh, it's a book about a guy who uh, is visited by a demon who basically says, you need to kill one person every month or I'm going to kill you. And so he decides that if he's going to have to kill somebody, he might as well kill bad people and becomes a vi- vigilante. So... Yeah, that's where that goes. So a little, uh, it actually kind of, uh, we didn't cover it this month, but it kind of has a similar vibe to uh, Fatal, where it has sort of like this noir hybrid of noir and almost a little bit of uh, horror to it as well. uh, You know, it's it's a fun book. I think we'll enjoy it. At least I hope everybody enjoys it. Uh, Who has recommendations they want to get off their chest? I do. I've been, okay, trying, what's the I've been trying to recommend this since I was in fucking Boise and I had one negative internet. <laughs> so, uh, fucking Boise. Oh, okay. Uh, so it was, uh, it, when, I first, when I went through it the second time, because I came back for a weekend, it was on sale on Comicsology, and they're still on sale, but not as much. Uh, it was the new Darth Vader's comic series that was in 2017. That Charles Soule wrote. Yeah. It was 18 issues. Uh, I bought the first three because they were all on, like, they were like three bucks each. Uh, so it's the first Darth Vader series took place right after New Hope when he was trying to get back the Emperor's good graces for losing the Death Star. 
This one literally picks up the moment he comes off the table in Revenge of the Sith and is now Darth Vader in the suit and everything. No! Yeah, I think that actually might be the very first time. <laughs> uh, but it's it's Anakin Skywalker trying to find a way to be Darth Vader in this new suit, and it delves into the lore like we've never seen before. Like I didn't know this, but actually it shows the prototype he was in in the movie wasn't his final suit. He actually used the Force to create his own out of all these scrap pieces and stuff. Uh, it shows how a Sith gets a lightsaber and why it's red. Uh, and you actually, in the end, find out who his father is. So there actually was... A, it wasn't uh, an immaculate conception. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't, no. He was conceived through the Force, but it was uh, he did have a father. So also, the spoilers for that are littered over the internet. So if you don't want to be yeah. spoiled, don't look up, any, don't Google anything about the series. Just yeah. pick it up. And when it came out, I, mean, I knew about that because I hadn't started reading it yet. And it was like in the headline on Google News. I'm like, you fuckers. <laughs> Uh, but it's really cool. If Darth Vader is probably my favorite fictional character of all time, uh, and it's it's really interesting. It builds on the mythos of Star Wars in ways I haven't seen before. And yeah, it's definitely check it out. It's really really. I think I think I almost like it better than the last series they did. So I will definitely cool. check that out. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the first uh, is on Comicsology for free if you have unlimited, so you can at least can check it out and see if you like it. So that's the 2017 run. Yeah. That's what you were saying. Yeah. I think I, I actually own that actually in trade. Yeah, um, about it. You said you had it, so yeah. Um, I just I have all the Star Wars comics on my hold, so I I'm like I have <laughs> yeah. it. And if you I'm like, uh, they even ties up into Rebels. So if you like the Inquisitors and Rebels, it shows oh, how yeah. Darth Vader gets a hold of them and makes them into his own team and like pretty much maims them all before they like, because they were like basically Jedi in training who uh, they weren't Sith. They just turned to the dark side, and so he trains them and stuff. And it's it's really really cool. I like it a lot. Cool. Uh, Mr. Todd, do you have any recommendations? I do. Um, so this past year, I'm trying to like very condo some <laughs> of my life, you know, it sparks to like keep it. Um, I do have, I've had this big, huge pile of DVDs and movies and music and books and all these things that I haven't listened to in ages. And I'm going, I, I was faced with the question, do I get rid of this or is there a way that I can't enjoy it? So what I've ended up doing is I bought, um, some big like 250 disc CD books and I threw out all of the cases to all of my music and all my DVDs and put it in there. But also on the flip side, I've looked into it. I've um, set up Plex media center on my home PC and look set up a nest there. And I have ripped the entirety of everything and they've got apps for streaming sticks and phones on iOS and Android devices. And I have turned my own personal collection into a Netflix like interface and my upstream at my home is good enough because I pay too much money to the goddamn Comcast <laughs> that it works well. So um, my wife and I, as we're just going through right. things, <laughs> we're uh, watching and looking at things more so than we've had in years because even though they were available, just sitting on the couch and going, it's, it's oh, a lot easier to easier. I don't want to get up and hunt this out. It's you just go into plugs like, oh, I love this movie. Why haven't we watched this? And we start watching some of this stuff and it's, little transcode on the fly and I've got this big television and um it's been nice. It is nice. And yeah it upscales it and everything else there. I've got I don't I haven't um crunched it down and even the four eighty P on the upscale on the TV looks really solid and looks great. So um my music and movies and even photographs cobbled together from everywhere my wife's it's all in one central location. And it's (laughs) awesome. <laughs> you can see the look he's doing right now. <laughs> I'm, 
Uh, and I could also second that it's cool because he had was a gladiator you had pulled up on your phone yeah. right before we started recording. And and it was uh, looks great, pretty solid video quality. Yeah, hmm. uh, Mr. Meyer, what is your recommendation? Uh, I have two recommendations. Uh, I only had well, I did have one, and then I decided to add the second one based off a comment earlier. But first, um, a few episodes ago, I had recommended Young Justice by uh, mm-hmm. the new series by Brian Michael Bendis uh, that DC is putting out under the Wonder Comics imprint, which is a kind of more of a a teen, I guess, themed imprint that uh, Bendis had started. Um, well, since then, two more books have come out, and they have also been very good. Uh, the first one is called Naomi, um, which is by Bendis. Uh, we don't know much about the character. The first issue is is still doesn't give us a whole lot, but there is a mystery going on with this new character, Naomi, who I feel could be uh, his his. Miles Morales for DC, his his new teen character that he's making for DC, uh, and and this mystery, I guess, is going to lead to something much bigger down the road. Um, I can't really say much more than that because not a whole lot happened in the first issue, but I want to see where it goes. Uh, and the second issue is written by uh, oh, what's his, is it Craig Russell, the guy that did uh, Exit Stage Left and Flintstones. Mark Russell. Mark, Mark Russell. Uh, he did, did uh, we got the first issue of Wonder Twins, and it is uh, Zan and Jaina, and they're, from, they're aliens, and Superman has set them up in a school, and they're going to, like, regular high school, but then they're also going to intern at the tower, uh, the not the Watchtower, the Hall of Justice after school, uh, and some zany stuff happens, and that one's also a lot of fun. Um, but the other recommendation, I blew through the majority of this, uh, on a, my recent trip to California where I did see Brian and Jason, um, hi, hi. good times, universal and Disney. Uh, but we, uh, but I did read this whole omnibus while I was in California as well. Um, I just picked up the Grant Mor- Batman by Grant Morrison Omnibus Volume 1, which uh, is probably like two and a half to three years worth of Batman that he did. Yeah, and was good. <laughs> I had forgotten just how good that book is. It and is it's so, so much. Good. And I, originally I had read it in single issues month to month, uh, but it is so much better reading it as like one big trade. So it's like epic and awesomely well written. <laughs> it is. I thought so. Okay. And that's not just a troll for Adam. I really did think that. The troll was me recommended it. But no, I, I legitimately think it's a, it's, it's a lot of great stuff and uh, a lot of great art from artists like Andy Kubert and J.H. Williams III mm-hmm. and uh, Tony Daniel. Yeah. What was the name of the main character in that book, the first one you recommended? Uh, Naomi. I'm going backwards. Oh my God. I knew you were going there. That's why I decided to play along. That's why I love you, Adam. Mr. Jason, do you have any recommendations? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and recommend uh, season three of HBO's True Detective. Um, similar to uh, the story today for The Fade Out, it's got a main character who is a little bit of an unreliable narrator, either because he doesn't remember everything or doesn't want to. Um, it may not be as good as season one, uh, but it's very engaging and unravels very methodically, uh, and you cannot go wrong with uh, Mahershala Ali. So I recommend it. 
I've I've heard not as good as season one, but loads better than season two. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, season one was so good. It might be its own worst. Very true. That's a good point. Um, Also, before we, we do leave, I did look up, uh, I just happened to run across this. Ed Brubaker has a uh, show that's set to premiere this year on Amazon video called too old to die young. Uh, It's about a grieving police officer who, along with the man who shot his partner, finds himself in an underworld filled with working class hitmen, Yakuza soldiers, cartel assassins sent from Mexico, Russian mafia captains, and gangs of teen killers. Uh, I'm in in everything about it. Uh, Adam might not want to watch it because the lead is Miles Teller. (laughs) And we all know how Adam feels about Miles Teller, but... uh, does he like or hate Miles? Oh, he had- <laughs> I want. I would love to have like capture him and put him like in a solid. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Throw, well, throw him at the bottom of a well and but if, put but the lotion when, in the basket. When he escapes all maimed and bloody, he catches a really advanced form of cancer AIDS. <laughs> okay. Cancer AIDS. Kids. Yes. I kills him slowly over like the rest of his lifetime, and yeah, it's he got fucking. He's completely. Uh, would you say he's an ankle? He. Uh, yes. He's no. He's below an ankle. He's below. An, so. Um, Jason, so you don't know the term ankle is my wife, uh-huh. Amy. Hi, Amy. No, your wife, Amy is in... not an ankle. You should specify how you phrase that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For Amy. She was in connections for yeah. a time, and she was called an ankle, and she's like, yeah, whatever. She's like, do you know, even know what that is? She's like, what? It's like, that's someone who's three feet beneath the coat. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, that is amazing. And she's like, I had to turn around just to keep from smiling and laughing because that is so awesome. <laughs> so I really like, like, oh, you're such an ankle. I'm like, that's fantastic. So yeah. Cool. Well, I think that'll do it for this week. Unless anybody else has anything else they want to throw out there. Do you? I, I, do. I just love oh, you guys. I love you too. Happy to have you oh, actually, I do. I do have actually one last recommendation what? too. Um, so it's a board game came out. It's called Western Legends, uh-huh. and uh, everyone's pretty much familiar with Red Dead Redemption. Picture that, but a video game. Or a oh, board fun. Game. So basically, you, that, you can be like Wyatt Earp, you can be Billy the Kid, you can be Annie Oakley, um, and you can literally do whatever you want. If you want to go play poker to get legend points, you can do that. You can go uh, rob a train. You can go catch uh, outlaws. You can go become an outlaw. You can go mine for gold, and it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's pretty easy to play, and it's. Again, it feels just like the board game version of Red Dead Redemption. So if you're a fan of that and you like board games or vice versa, uh, it's it's I won't it once, but it's really, really cool. Awesome. Well, then on that, we will say adieu. Uh, join us next week for Kill or Be Killed as we finish up our Ed Brubaker month. And uh, we will see you all later. Bye. 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 Thank you for joining us. Please rate us on whatever service you listen on. And remember, at least we're not cinema queens.